This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Just before I start with prayer, my message today is surrounded by the King. And just when I was, I was preparing during the week, I had this vision. So maybe if you can just close your eyes and I just want to give it to you and then I just want to pray. I had this vision that a lot of us and I actually, you know, when you preach, you actually preach to yourself because it's applicable to you. feel that we are in a vice. So I saw this huge vice, you know, this vice that's normally on a woodwork or a metalwork bench. And the things of life that's surrounding us, you know, the stuff, the economy, the rain, the pressures of relationship, finance, whatever it may be, whatever you feel that's pressuring you, is it's as if it's your hand that's in this vice grip and, and what's surrounding you, the influences of the world and the challenges of the world is slowly but surely tightening that vice grip until it becomes excruciating the pain. And then I just saw God's hand like coming down and giving us a realization of who's actually surrounding us. It's the Father. The Father's actually surrounding the things that are surrounding us. And I just saw the Father's hand like loosening that grip, that vice grip, slowly but surely freeing your hand and saying, you know, that I am the one that's surrounding you. No matter where you're at, no matter how you feel, no matter the pressures of life, I'm the ultimate. I am around you and surrounding you. So Father, we just thank you for that picture. Maybe a simple picture, but it meant a lot to me. It, it just summarizes the word that I have for this evening, Lord, is that you surround us, Father. Yes, we go through trials, we go through pressures, we, we have different things, that challenges that come and, and, and tests that we have to go through and mountains and valleys that we have to go up and navigate through. But Father, you are there, you are surrounding us. You're always there. So we thank you for that, Lord, as we just commit this evening to you in Jesus' name. You know, the Word of God's got a, one of my favorite um, Bible verses is that even if we are unfaithful, the Word of God says he remains faithful because what? Because he cannot deny himself. You know, there's a picture of God, there's certain characters of God that he remains faithful no matter where we at, no matter how faithful we are at some stages within our life, he is always faithful. He remains faithful because he cannot deny his character. It's part of his character. He's a faithful God. No matter where you've been, no matter where you come from, no matter what you're going through. And I thought Dorian, my mate's going to share test me just now, just putting pressure on you <laughs> so he can start sweating. But I'm going to share a little bit about my past that I haven't really shared about before. And I've, I've, I felt it's quite important because it's, it's like um, illustrating of how Darkness can surround someone, but uh, ultimately God brings you into the light and he actually surrounds you, gives you vision, gives you dreams again. And uh, if I rewind my life about eight or nine years ago, I didn't know a lot of you, I was living in Queenstown and I'm not going to go into depths of the story. Um, just to highlight in terms of, I went through some challenges in my life, some wrong choices that I did. I'm the first to put up my, my hand and say yes, a lot of it was my own fault. But, you know, in times of despair, I didn't work for, for, for eight months. Um, in times of challenges, 
in terms of where um, God takes you and, and, and let's say, um, a journey that you have to walk to actually um, restore and ask for forgiveness and face the challenges, you know, the problems or dikhamors, Afrikaners have a better word, the mess that you actually make. I went through a, a very dark season. I was actually depressed, severely depressed that I'm quite a big guy. I'm sure you can, you can see my size. I can get myself out of bed. Eh? I'm big enough to do that. But for a couple of months, I actually couldn't get out of bed. I did during the day, but it felt like I couldn't in the morning just get out of my bed. My wife would say goodbye, go to work. I just had such darkness around me. And I, I thank God for a praying mother. There she sits there on the second row. You know, it's those praying people in my church that supported me. But I went through um, such a dark time of depression that I actually had this vision of me committing suicide. Actually down to specifics. I'm not going to go into it. But it was like a dream that I had and I was going to do it the next day. And to the grace of God, I didn't. But that's the dark despair that I was in. I don't know if anyone's been in dark despair. Anyone been in depression? I planned every single thing, the physical things that I was going to do to commit suicide, to the T. It was like a vision, but it was like a real, like, a, like as if it's happening before me. And I never forget that time, is that I was searching God and like saying, where are you? And um, God really, fast forward a couple of months after that, God really took me from that deep despair of really having no self-worth, self-value at that stage, challenges in my life, taking me out of that depression, and really restoring things, really giving me opportunities that were beyond what my wildest dreams were. And I'll never forget at that stage, and I'll, I'll come to, to current now, is there were three things that I was trusting God for. And I said, if you are the God, these are the things, even though my situation is bleak, these are the things I'm trusting for. Number one, eight months, no work, um, don't have a degree to go back on, have a lot of 20 years experience in, in, in cash and carry and in retail, have a bit of money, but not enough to set up a business. I said, I, I want my own business. God, that's, that's my heart's desire. You know, he says in his word, what is your desire? You know, he wants to give us our heart's desire. So that was number one. Number two is, I said, God, I want a business that doesn't require me there all of the time. A business that can actually self-sustain and run itself. And the third thing I said is, God, through this business, I want to be able to sow into your kingdom. Those were the three things that I, that I asked for. I'm not going to go into the details. Some people know of the challenges that I, I, I was facing at that stage. I'm telling you people, it was impossible. But, through God, it was totally impossible. One-on-one, -on -one, I can tell you about a lot of things. But at that stage, it was impossible, but for God. Fast forward about a year after that, I had an opportunity in East London that I could purchase a business called OnTap, a plumbing business, something completely different from selling food to selling plumbing stuff. You know, if you're a handyman, I'm not. So the only thing I knew about a mixer was uh, something that made a cake, you know, that was a mixer, not a tap mixer. You know, when they spoke about mixers, I thought, no. But anyway, that's how far, you know, off it was from a plumbing business. But 
But God really restored a lot of things. And he was faithful, even though I wasn't faithful in the lead up to the story. I made a lot of choices that, that were actually wrong. He remained faithful. So fast forward about eight years. I'm in the business, doing very successful. We opened Umtata, King Williamstown, Queenstown, Port Elizabeth. And am I not surrounded by challenges? Yes, I am. We are surrounded by challenges. And I was just thinking the other days that we've really had seven years of, you know, if you look at scripture, the Old Testament, seven years of really exorbitant favor. The last two months, guys, have been challenging, <laughs> extremely challenging. And you know how quickly you can sort of think, Yo, but what's going to happen tomorrow, you know? Are things going to turn? Is the economy going to turn, you know? You know, even on Tata's down, and that's been like the, the gold of my business, you know. So it just shows you how the enemy tries to just come in, you know, and steal our joy and, and give us the impression that he's actually surrounding us and challenges are surrounding us and not the king of kings. So I just wanted to go through that and just, um, I've been searching the scriptures about how God surrounds us, how he surrounds us with his favor, etc., etc. And that's the gist of what I want to share tonight. But another thing I want to say in the intro is that it's important that we position ourselves also. You know, we can say that we want more of God, but are we positioning ourselves to attain more of God, you know? Are we following what his word says? Are we being obedient to his call? Are we stepping out? Are we looking at opportunities to speak into other people's life? Or is it all me, me, me? You know, are we positioning ourselves in that favor point? So that's just something I wanted to challenge us with tonight. So everywhere we turn, we face, it's easy to get discouraged. And we think, I'll never get out of trouble. It has me surrounded. And it took me to a scripture, 2 Kings 6. If we can just put it up there. And this is, I'm going to read the scripture and then I'm going to go into one or two points before Doran gives his testimony. And 2 Kings 6, 15 to 17 tells about a story of Elisha's servant. And I'm going to read it first and then we'll go through it. So verse 15 says, And when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army of horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Verse 16. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Verse 17, and Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots. It was God's army of fire all around Elisha. So it's quite important there. I had some points underlined, but it's those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And I, I really felt that's a word for some of you tonight, is that God is for you, he's not against you, and there's more with you than what's against you, what, what, whatever you're facing. And secondly, in verse 17, it says, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And I really believe that sometimes we need to open our eyes, and it's not a physical eyes, it's a spiritual eyes. It's to say, God, what are you actually saying spiritually? What are you saying it could be someone prophesied over you. What are you saying in the spirit? He thought that they were surrounded by the enemy, but the enemy was surrounded by our God. So we sometimes feel that we are surrounded by the enemy, 
But what we can't see is the most high God is surrounding what's surrounding us. So tonight, he is greater than all our troubles. All your troubles that you have, he is greater. He is greater than all our weaknesses. If God pulled back the curtain, you know, spiritually speaking, if he pulled back a curtain tonight, you would see powerful angels at work on your behalf, standing guard, protecting you, pushing back the forces of darkness. You would see God moving the wrong people away out of your, out of your line, lining up things in your favor, arranging good breaks, healing and deliverance. But if you only look with the natural eyes, you'll be worried and discouraged. And that's my prayer for us, is that we will see in the Spirit that that will be a desire of ours. Through eyes of faith, you need to see that every obstacle that's holding you back is surrounded by the Most High God. Only God knows how every situation turns out. And Elisha's story, there's just four foundational points that I want to just touch on. Point one is that, and if you've got it there, Elisha felt unmoved by the physical realm and its opposition. Unmoved is number one. Are we unmoved? Or are we sometimes like the sea that it can come up and we tossed? You know, we're in a boat, but, we, but we're not steadfast. We're not like Andre spoke about the unshakable shaker. Are we unmoved in what we believe, in what the word of God says? Are we steadfast? Second point is Elisha showed confident composure. And calmly assured his servant that he had nothing to fear. I believe that's important. A confident composure. Confident composure. Confidence in God gives us composure even in dire circumstance. So there's a confidence in God that we know that no matter what happens, no matter what challenges come, no matter what mountains come, you have a confidence in God. Third thing is Elisha communicated a vision invisible to others. And vision's so important. You know, vision comes through the word of God. It comes through dreaming. It comes through maybe a prophecy. Visions can come in, in, in different ways. And my wife, Lee, um, had a prophecy over her quite a number of years ago before Kyra was born. And she's 14. So it was about 15, 16. She, she, she wasn't pregnant. And in Queenstown, we had a visiting pastor called Tony Fitz, Fitzgerald. I don't know if any of you know his name. He was the head of Church of the Nations at that time, um, Australian living in America. And um, we had a service, and like normal, you have a visiting pastor, and he prophesies over a few people, and we were sitting at the back, and he said, Lee, stand up. And um, he said to her, I see an issue of blood over in your life that's coming up. But God says to you, don't worry, you will pull through, and he will be there for you. So this was a prophecy, quite a nasty one, eh? I see an issue of blood. And um, if you know Lee, panic mechanic, she wasn't like, you know, we, we, we get taught about prophecies, you can either accept them or you pray about them, and if it doesn't gel, you don't accept them. So she was, no, no, she doesn't. This doesn't gel with her. This is making her full of fear, you know, this fear thing. So she's not going to accept it. So we left it, you know. Like Andre teaches us many times, prophecies, write them down, eh? Not so. So important. About 18 months to two years later, 
Lee nearly lost her life. She had Kyra, came down to the best Ghanies in East London, and um, Kyra was born, everything was fine, except they hadn't taken the whole placenta out of Lee. And if you know, I'm not a doctor, if there, is there a doctor here? The back, many doctors can cause problems. So we went back, everything was fine. I'm telling you, my wife bled people. I don't want to go into the gory details, but for two or three days, even the ones I picked her up with a duvet, and that couldn't stop the bleeding. It was, it was terrible. Just had a GP there. He said, no, listen, she can't go into operation. They're going to have to, you know, she had a Caesar. They're going to have to open her up again. But she can't. She's too weak. She could die. So the next day we had her in hospital. She obviously had, I don't know how many pints of blood. I think it was six or so. And she went through the op and then it was discovered and then it was sorted out. But if we had received the prophecy, even though it was quite a daunting one, I think it would have given us more comfort during that period. And that was an issue of blood, but God came, came through, you know, but it, we would have not been, let's say, worried in a way, but we would have had confidence that she's going to come through, and it wasn't like that. It was very tra- traumatic. One of her uh, biggest desires was for her to breastfeed Kyra. So Kyra was two days old. My mother-in-law and myself had to get Kyra up, you know, when she was ready for a feed, take her down to the hospital, um, and breastfeed the child like that with my wife completely out of it. So for a couple of days, it was really a traumatic experience. But trusting God and believing in his, in his promises would have given us just that comfort to know that we're going to get through it. So that's com- communicating vision. And the last one, number four, is Elisha prayed that his servant would be able to see what he saw. And I want to say prayer links us to the power of God. Without prayer, the power of God is away. But prayer actually links us. It connects us to the power of God. And godly perspective enables us to see before others do. It enables us to see beyond what others see. And it enables us to see bigger than what others see. So I'm going to invite my friend up here, and then I'll close off afterwards. Come up, Dor. We played rugby together a little bit, or against each other. But you played for border, I played for border, but maybe at different times. You can hey, just pull it in. We it used in. to play for border. And um, Dorian's walked a journey, and I'm so great, and I'm so thankful for what God's done in your life. You know, um, compared to I knew you before, you're a completely different man. And. I just give God honor for what he's done in you, you know, and the relationship that you have with him. It's really an example to us. So I just want to say thank you, and I love you. you. And, and we're going to hear from you now, brother. Thank you. Okay. thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Rion. It's hard to believe that 20 years ago we shared a rugby field, and now we're sharing a pulpit. Yes, Rion, we are that old. Yeah, thank you. Um, thank you for the opportunity to share my some of my testimony, um, and, I, and I just wanted to show you guys the work that the Lord has been doing for me in my life, um, in a long and, and, and tiring road that I've, that I've, that I've traveled. Um, to put it into perspective, I'd, I'd like to go back to when I was about seven or eight years old, um, born in Bredon, East London, and parents moved up to northern Natal, and not long after that, they, 
the walls came tumbling down and they, they divorced and mom left my dad and she moved back home. Uh, she was a young mom with three little boys and I think that um, it was probably a, a lot for her to handle and um, she obviously made some decisions in her life that affected us up until today and um, yeah, so she moved, she moved down with us and she, she, um, she pretty much went, went back or she rekindled her love with her, with her childhood sweetheart and um, we, we stayed with him. I was about seven or eight years old, maybe even a bit younger. Um, unfortunately for us, he battled with major depression, um, bipolar, and he was a chronic alcoholic. So life for myself and my two brothers were, was pretty, pretty horrific and pretty, pretty hardcore, to say the least. We dealt with all sorts of um, abuse, neglect, um, torment, and as little boys, um, it was extremely difficult for us to, to live a normal life. I don't know if any of you here can possibly relate to, to, to some of the things I'll, I'll share with you, but things were difficult for us. Um, I can remember one occasion where um, we were, I, as a, I, was the always, I was always the one that tried to protect my mom. He used to beat my mom pretty much every weekend. And um, being the middle child, I felt that I could protect her. So when, I, when other kids were maybe getting a, a hiding from their parents or a smack on the, on the backside or, or whatever, I was actually physically fighting a man. And I was about 11, 12 years old at that stage. It wasn't a, 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 a like I said, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a, a, a hiding, go to your room, get the belt out. It was a physical fist fight. And it would often lead to, to blood, tears, um, and only later on in my life do I, did I realize what, what that effect had on me as a, as a man. Um, I remember a situation in the backyard when I was trying to defend my mom. My stepdad was standing at the bottom of the yard. And um, at that stage, I had a little fowl. And uh, we had a couple of fowls in the yard. I have absolutely no idea why we had fowls in the yard, but we did. And... Um, Little Binky was my fowl. She would lay eggs for me every morning, and it was like my pet, you know. So um, he's at the bottom of the yard. My mom's behind me on the stoop, and I'm trying to protect her, and the two of them are slinging words at each other. And I'm the big hero because I'm going to protect my mom. So, um, yeah, I was about 11 years old. No, in fact, I was probably, yeah, 11 or 12 years old. So um, while all this happens, little Binky is running around his feet doing her thing. So out of his anger, he picks up this fowl and he rips its head off. And he throws the fowl at me. And I can still remember to this day the fowl, headless chicken or fowl, hitting me, the blood staining my clothing. So that's the kind of things that I went through. It wasn't a normal upbringing. It was a horrific upbringing. I was beaten. I, was, I had to fight. Um, it, 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 was, it, was, it was torment. I lived in fear. I couldn't bring anybody home. It was, there's no way that I could have brought anybody home. It was a no-go. Um, every weekend was, was, um, was, was drinking and fighting and swearing and, and accusing and, and, and all of that. Um, got to a point a couple of years later where he woke us up at one o'clock in the morning and he told us to get out the house and he proceeded to burn the house down. So 
So, um, that's, yeah, so that's some of the things that I had to endure as a, as a, as a kid. But I, later on in my life, I, I learned to forgive him. Um, and that was part of, part of the healing that I, do, that I had to, well, I wanted to go through. was actually, um, unfortunately, he committed suicide about 15 years ago. He gassed himself. So, unfortunately, I think, to be honest with you, a lot of the, the damage that he had caused in my life or my brothers in my life, he, it, it, it took its toll on him. And by that time, my mom and him had had a little boy as well. So, um, I think it all got a little bit too much for him, and he, and he gassed himself. We found him in the garage one, one afternoon. But it would have been nice for me to have an opportunity to, to, uh, to forgive him. I have forgiven him. I, have, I hold absolutely no grudges. Um, but yeah, the reason why I'm sharing this, I wanted to just show you what kind of, what kind of upbringing, some of the things that we, we, we had to endure. And unfortunately for me, I allowed a lot of those things to define me as a man growing up. And um, I kind of feel that the enemy was loving, he must have been loving life at, you know, watching this happen because there was, no, there was no talk of God, there was no talk of church, and it was all just bad, bad, bad. So... Um, the enemy was winning hands down. It wasn't even a competition. It wasn't even a fight, to be honest. So, um, yeah, like I said, a lot, of, a lot of what happened as a youngster defined me and helped me, helped, wrong word, um, enabled me to make the decisions that I made in the, growing up, wrong decisions. Um, I grew up very bitter. Outside was, was cool. I, I could speak to people. I could make people laugh. I was always... The, the joke of the party or the bra or but deep down I was dead totally dead inside I was scared I feared everything you know picture yourself watching a, a horror movie and you, you're tense your whole body's tense because you're waiting for the for the for the for the the big scene I lived my whole life like that I lived my whole life in fear of something bad happening and and, and someone doing something bad to me, with, with me making the wrong decision, with, with everything, and everything, like I've sh- shared before in previous times, everything happened. Everything that I spoke about, everything that I feared came upon me. So I'm here to tell you today that God's purpose for us is not, <laughs> not that. His purpose, although he allowed the things to happen to me and my brothers, um, he allowed them to happen for his own reasons, to build my character. For me to be able to stand here in front of you today and tell you and share with you some of the things that people are going through out there and that it's not the end of the world. It's not over until, until God says so. So as a young man growing up, I, I, I was arrogant, self-righteous, um, overconfident. I thought I could do anything. Part of the upbringing that I had, I was taught not through actual doctrine, but by seeing that you, you don't care about anybody else. You worry about yourself. Um, you don't trust anybody. You don't uh, share with anybody. And no one's better than you. And you might have come from a, a poor situation, but don't let that, you know, you, you pretend that, that you, you're on top of the world. Although deep down you, you're nothing. You, well, you feel like you're nothing. So I battled a lot with, with um, insecurity um, and, it, and, it, and it festered, it, it, it built up and built up and built up, and, um, which led to, to me not being a very um, happy 20, 30-year-old. Made some terrible decisions in my life, 
some that I'm not very, very proud of. Um, but still, like I said before, God allowed those things to happen to build my character. And um, I know that I'll be able to share um, things in the future to, you know, so that I can help people deal with, with, with certain things in their life. I've been through a divorce. Um, I've got a 16-year-old son. I've got a 14-year-old daughter, and I've got a 4-year-old daughter um, who I love with, with all my heart. I've had my own businesses. They've all failed. You see, I thought, I think I had the, I had the table wrong. I had my, my business on top, and then I had my family, and then I had whatever else came after that, which is totally wrong, because that wasn't what God's plan was for me. And now with, with especially now with my walk, especially with this church, um, I've, got, I've, swapped, I've swapped that around. You've got to have God on top. Um, you, might, you might think that you need a big business and you, and you, and you need fancy cars, and, but if you don't have God, you don't have that stuff. It's, all, it's, all, it's not going to be worth anything um, in the future when we, when we move on. And that was difficult for me to understand and to grasp, and it might be difficult for some of us to grasp it as well because how, what, what, is, what are you without money? What are you without your, your friends? Well, I got to a point where I lost all my business. I lost all my friends. I fell into such a state of depression and anger that I drove my family out of my home. When I say drove them out of my home, I physically mean open the door and get out of the house. I don't want you anymore. Lisa and Mackenzie. I fell into a major state of, of, of anger. I was just, it was finished. I had debtors knocked uh, Guys wanting money, knocking at the door. Um, I, I was lost in, a, in, in, this, in this world. I, I, you know, um, Rion spoke earlier about there was no way out. There was absolutely no way out. Rion spoke about taking his own life. I actually physically tried to take my own life. But God wasn't, wasn't God's plan for me. Physically took the tablets. And I emptied them into my mouth. And I said, that's it, I'm done. It's over now. But God wasn't finished with me. In fact, he, hasn't even, he hadn't even started yet with me. My life changed when, I was, when the family was gone. Friends were gone. Businesses were gone. Credibility was gone. Um, seemed like my sanity was gone. And I remember specifically sitting on my, leaning or kneeling down in my kitchen floor, praying to the Lord. God, please, I'm done. I'm finished can't do this anymore. You see people, I would, I'd gone past the point of no return. It was finished for me. I couldn't do this anymore on my own. There was no way that I could physically possibly do this on my own. I needed God in my life. And I was prepared to do whatever it took. I was prepared to strip down with whatever I needed to do. And I realized at that point that I was, I was naked. Okay, don't picture me naked on my kitchen floor, please. It's not good. I'd been stripped, totally stripped of all my righteous, self-righteousness, my pride, um, all my armor that I thought that was protecting me. It was gone. It was stripped. I was finished. And God picked me up off that kitchen floor. And I promise you, I am witness. I am a living witness to God's mercy and God's grace. He picked me up off that floor and he restored me step by step. He restored me to where I am today which is nowhere near where he's taking me, 
That's just part of the journey. Brought my family back. He brought the friends that were real to me into my life. Thank you, Bernie, Michelle. He brought my future father-in-law back. We hated each other, I'll tell you what. And I don't blame him. He's one of my best friends now. I would never be able to live without a day speaking to him, to be honest. Thank you, Andre. He restored me. He's given me opportunities in my life, business-wise, where, I, where I'm, I, don't even, I don't even know what to think next. The opportunities, the doors that are opening, and it's all through God's grace. I put God first, my family, and if my business comes third or fourth or fifth, so what? As long as I've got my, my God on, on top and my, and my family. So, um, yeah, I just want to, I want to, I want to just tell you guys, um, if you're going through things, if you feel like giving up, you need to submit to God, submit everything to him. And that's what I did. He took me right down and he stripped me, like I said, and he, he's picking me up. And um, I just want to say to the Lord, thank you very much for everything. I want to say thank you to my friends that are, that are walking with me. I'm on this road, and, um, and this church is amazing. You know, we belong to an absolutely amazing church, um, and I think it's so important that, we, that we, um, we acknowledge that. So, yeah, thank you, guys. Have a carte blanche starting just now, so I don't want to carry on too long. <laughs> Amen, Dorian. Powerful, eh? So I just want to end off just with a couple of scriptures that we're going to flash up there just in terms of um, how God surrounds us and what he says in his, in his word. And just like Dorian said, you know, the, he was finished, but for what? But for God. But for God. He surrounded him, even though he thought everything was completely finished. So a lot of the time we are surrounded by God's promises, and we're just going to flash it up quickly. The scriptures there, 2 Peter 1.4 says, For by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. We are surrounded by God as we believe and accept his promises. We receive his, pre- his presence. He is there. And then another one that's one of my fa- favorite, Philippians 4.7, talks about being surrounded by God's peace. You know, a lot of people in the world, you speak to them, and they say to you, all I want is peace. Not so? Who's, who's heard people say that? All I want is peace. And I can tell you honestly that there is no peace and no real and lasting peace outside of God's presence. God is peace. And it says, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So if you're out there and you need peace, you, you feel that you're in a situation God is your, is your peace. Surrounded by God's protection, Psalm 91, 11 to 12 says, For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Our world is a dangerous place, just like Dorian testified. A lot of things happened, but God surrounds him and, and protected him and built him up. Surrounded by God's provision, Psalm 5.12 says, For surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor 
as with a shield. And I just wanted to touch on that favor because I feel it's so important, is that as Christians, we have an advantage. And the advantage we have is the favor of God. And what is favor? Favor means you are God's favorite. You are God's favorite, each and every one of you. And favor is so important, so important in business too, is that we can come to God in the morning, we can say, God, favor us today. Favor us as your child, because that's his promise to us. It says in Psalm 512, For surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous, you surround them with your favor, as with a shield. And this is not just financial favor, it's health. Isn't that favor too? Health. Relationships. Likeability. So that's what God does. Favor is a blessing from God. You know, making people like you. You know, you can go into a business situation and, 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 and people can like you without them even really knowing you. And that's the favor of God that's on you. If you're a child of God, you walk in that favor. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share. Sing.